Good day, everyone, and welcome to episode one of season one of the John White Project. My name is John, and this is my life. Let me tell you a little bit about myself. In 2018, I was diagnosed with prostate cancer. Kind of freaked me out beyond words. After the doctor had said, you've got uh, cancer, my head was just filled with, uh, yeah, you get it, white noise. I'm glad I had my wife there with me. Uh, She continued to take notes. I continued to fade out and think, why me? What now? What am I going to do? How am I going to get by? Um, You know what? Everything happens for a reason. I did get by. Everything was cool. But you know what? Let me take you back maybe a year prior to that. I'm a diabetic, so my doctor sends me for regular uh, blood work. Uh, was coming up to my regular annual checkup, so I got the whole gambit of blood work. Oh, let me stop right there. Gentlemen, when it is time to get your annual physical, please do it. Ladies, make your men or entice your men or nag them until they actually get it done. It is something that is so important and can save a life, quite frankly, more so than being diagnosed. You can catch it early and not have it at all or catch it early and, you know, you can have an active surveillance or they can give you medication to keep it down. But please go and get your annual physical done. When you turn a certain age, you need a baseline, so they need something to compare it to if something goes wrong in the future. Rant is over. Let me continue with my story. I got my blood work done. My blood sugar was a little bit high. Uh, I am a type 2 diabetic, so that's one thing that the doctor caught in years previous. Um, But my PSA level, which is prostate something antigen, um, was a little bit abnormal. Uh, Again, gentlemen, this is where your baseline comes in. Uh, My baseline was four. Um, This blood check was eight. Really nothing to be concerned about because sometimes the PSA levels, uh, they go up, they go down. Um, You know, it's not 100% accurate, but it is a means to an end. So my doctor sent me for another blood sample. Uh, This time it was strictly for a PSA. Came back the same. It was an eight. Um, Actually, it was an 8.2 or three. So it was a little bit different than the first one. So my doctor said, we're going to send you to a specialist, a urologist. We made an appointment. I got in, I think, within three or four weeks. He, of course, sent me for more blood work um, because that's where you start, right? Everybody starts off at the beginning. So I went, I got my blood work done. Uh, two weeks later, I was called into the office. Um, he said, okay, well, yeah, your, your results are pretty consistent. You're an 8.4. What we're going to do is we're going to send you for more blood work in another three months. That seems to be the average of when you go and when you don't go. It always seems to be in a three month increment. So they said, okay, well, we'll give you three months. Um, if it comes back, you know, the way it did before, then we're going to have to send you for a biopsy. And then he looked at me and said, you really don't want to go for a biopsy. So let's, you know, let's just hope that it's a a faulty reading. 
Well, three months later, um, get the blood work done, get called back to the doctor's office, and you guessed it from the beginning of the story. Yeah, my numbers were 8.7, I think. So it it was creeping up every three months. So I went for um, the biopsy, which is kind of a funny story. Um, So, of course, this being my first time, you're uh, you're in the gown. We've all been in the gown with the uh, butt hanging open and everything like that. They wheel you into uh, the theater. Um, I heard over my shoulder there was a, a senior nurse explaining a whole bunch of things to a, a junior nurse. And I looked at the doctor and I went, first time? He goes, yeah. And I looked over at the other nurse and the younger nurse and I went, yeah, me too, first time. I bet you I'm going to get more out of it than you are. And she just kind of giggled. You know what? You got to have a positive attitude. I mean, it's a scary thing that you're going through, but you don't make light of it. But you you don't you don't think you're going to die because if it puts you in that frame of mind, then you're not going to be healthy when you're fighting it. So the doctor uh, got me all ready. He uh, put on some numbing gel and things like that. Now this uh, uh, I don't know drill, I'm going to call it. Um, went up and he said, okay, this is going to be a little bit uncomfortable, but then you're going to hear some clicking sounds and that's going to be even more uncomfortable. So at least he was making me aware that, yeah, my life was going to get uh, a little more uncomfortable from that moment on. I, uh, braced myself and he said, no, 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 you gotta, you gotta relax. So they, they basically put me into a big fetal position, took my butt off the bed, um, put the probe in me and, uh, they went for core samples. They took, uh, six core samples, three from either side. And yeah, it was really uncomfortable. The The popping sound was one thing, but to actually feel a vibration when it's inside of you, that was definitely something that, um, yeah, I don't wish upon anybody, but I mean, you know what, uh, looking back at it now, it saved my life. So, um, again, we waited for the results of the tests They came back and, uh, well, we already discussed that at the beginning of the episode. He basically turned to me and said, uh, yeah, three core samples were definitely cancerous. Two were minor cancerous. And the third on the other side was, yeah, it was a big, you've got cancer. Um, so we were, we were hoping that we could get away with only removing half my prostate, um, and then leave the other half there, uh, life in general, would have stayed normal. So that would have been, you know, kind of cool. Um, but, uh, well, we uh, we booked the surgery for uh, August. So this was May I was diagnosed, and uh, August was when I had the uh, surgery. Me being a big Batman fan, I had the uh, Adam West Batman socks on, so that was kind of cool. Kept the nurses giggling a little bit. Um you know, you, you, again, you've got to you've got to have uh, a good sense of humor to fight this thing. So, yeah. That being said, uh, they led me to the uh, surgical theater. Uh, the nurse asked me uh, for my name and my date of birth, and did I know the reason why I was in the theater? And I said, Oh, yeah, I know the reason why I'm here. They popped me up on the bed, and um, the doctor was asking me questions. He was telling me about what was going to happen and this and that. The nurse came around the back and said, I'm going to put a needle in your back and you're going to feel a little bit of warmth going up and down your spine. And then uh, we'll we'll lay you down and we'll uh, have the operation. 
Now, the doctor was telling me that uh, there was going to be another specialist in the room with him. So that was kind of cool. I had uh, two specialists in the room working on me. So that was kind of like a, a godsend. So an answer to prayer at that point. So the nurse said, okay, here we go. She injected me and I said, I don't feel anything. And I went, oh, there it is. And then I fell into the doctor's arms. Then I woke up at uh, five o'clock that evening. So from 1230 to five o'clock, I was pretty much induced in some awesome drugs. That's all I got to say. I've never had surgery before, never broken an arm. Uh, The most Anything that's happened to me, I got my wisdom teeth taken out and the anesthetics were kind of cool there, but nothing like the stuff you get for uh, surgery, let me tell you. So everybody was uh, told they could come and see me. It was after five o'clock. So uh, my wife came in, my parents came in, everybody was okay and it was cool. And, you know, the doctor had talked to them and said, yeah, the, the surgery went really well and everything like that. Uh, the doctor came in and, and spoke with me and he said, um, when we were in there, um, the texture just didn't feel right on your prostate. So I, I asked the other doctor and he said, yeah, it's, um, it was basically sticky, gooey, black tar cancer. So they, uh, they removed the entire thing. They took out the nerves, the nodes, the prostate, the little sphincters that stop you from peeing yourself. So I was pretty much in the, uh, baby stage of life all over again. So I was going to have to learn how to uh, not pee myself when I did anything, when I sat up, when I laughed, when I cough, Um, pretty much anything to do with anything. I still pee a little bit when I cough. Sneezing is horrendous. I have to cross my legs. Um, Yeah, laughing is another thing. I am a singer in a 80s cover band. And uh, yeah, I'm peeing all the time with that. But with all the Depends and uh, different pads and things like that they have for men, uh, it is no issue. So gentlemen, not to worry about that. Uh, I do recommend that you get a physiotherapist if you are going through anything like this. Uh, the doctor will tell you what uh, muscles to uh, flex and things like that, the, the Kegel exercises that you do, but the physiotherapist will actually show you the proper way to do it. The doctors mean well, but they don't have enough time to show you everything that's going on. The physiotherapist, it took me six weeks and I wasn't peeing myself anymore. Again, it's not like it was running down my leg. I had those pads on, so everything was really cool. Uh, Again, um, you know, we talk about uh, going for your physical, Um, you know, the, the two Two, three minutes that uh, the doctor's checking out. It's not even that long when they check out your prostate. They're checking out the size. They're checking out the texture um, just to make sure that it's all good. Uh, The physiotherapist will do the same thing. Only the physiotherapist will leave the finger in there while you're doing the muscle exercises to make sure that the muscles are being challenged. My physiotherapist was a woman, so she was pushing down with her finger on the muscles that she wanted to flex that is the reason why I recommend getting a physiotherapist. Uh, male or female, doesn't really matter. Uh, didn't matter to me. You know, once you've kind of gone through that, it's like you're dropping your pants for everybody and everything. You know, let me see your stitches. Let me see the scar. Let me see this. It's like you're dropping your pants all the time. So you kind of get immune to embarrassment. It, it's like, yeah, the nurses, boom, down. Doctors, boom, down. Everybody, boom, down. Um, so you really become numb to the embarrassment. That's all I got to say. So once all that was done, um, you know, uh, they get you to up, 
up out of bed and walk around. They want to make sure that your blood is flowing. There's no blood clots in your legs or anything like that. Um, you know, I was so doped out of it, uh, from the anesthesia. Um, it hit me really hard. Um, so I didn't get up until the next day, but the doctor said, I can't leave until you walk around. So I was up and I was slowly walking around. I was up a couple of times that day. Um, walking around with the catheter was a bit interesting. Um, the only thing I could liken that to is if you've ever played football and had the helmet on with the big face guard and someone grabs you by the face guard and drags you along, you're pretty much at the mercy of where they want to take you. Well, that's what it's like having the catheter in too. If you move a different way and your catheter is going one way, you are definitely going that way. I uh, I didn't know how they attached the catheter. I didn't even know what a catheter was before I got in the hospital. So I'm kind of naive on the whole thing. So that was interesting experience right there. We only live about 15 minutes away from the hospital. So um, it was kind of nice. I was home in 15 minutes. I was in my bed um, relaxing. Um, the anesthetics were still in my system. So I was still feeling not as much pain as I probably should have been in, but I was feeling pretty good. On that note, gentlemen, if you have this type of surgery, or you know what, I'm just going to put it out there and just say, if you have to interact with your wife when you are in pain, please use your words. I have a step to help me get up in bed. Um, and it wasn't in the right position. And I was reaching with my foot and I was like kind of grunting at my wife to to make it work. You, you know, I, I expected her to quite frankly, read my mind. Well, it wasn't working. And she looked at me and said, use your words. I don't know what you're thinking. You have to tell me. So to me, that was kind of like when they say, no, no, it's fine. You know, it's not fine. And you just have to compensate or figure out what it is that you've done. My wife told me what I had done, and I never made her guess my mind again, ever. Even to this very day, we're trying to work on our on our communication skills, which is always a good thing in a marriage, but I digress. Uh, lying down in bed was kind of an unusual thing. Uh, my wife bought me a uh, triangle pillow, so that's the way I slept. I never laid down for the first uh, two weeks after my surgery. It wasn't until they re- removed the catheter from me that uh, I actually had the best night's sleep. So uh, I had the catheter in for uh, two weeks, um, for 14 days, 10 days, something like that. And whatever it was, less a day, that's when they removed the staples. Now that was an experience in itself, not because of the pain, but because of the unique feeling that you have metal staples stuck in your groin area just above your belly button and below your belly button. So, you know, the nurse is cutting them with a metal, you know, scissors type of deal and she's cutting them in half and then pulling them out. It didn't hurt. It just, it felt really weird. And the fact that somebody was down by your deal with the pair of scissors, it was kind of unnerving to say the least. Yeah, that's, (laughs) we'll just leave it at that. So the next day I got up, I was prepared, (laughs) so I thought, to have the catheter removed. Uh, My aunt from Australia had uh, messaged me and said, listen, there's no easy way to uh, remove a catheter. So what I recommend is you take a big breath and when the nurse or doctor says, okay, we're going to remove the catheter, you just breathe out hard and everything should be good. 
So I thought, okay, I'll, I'll take that advice. And it, it sounds sound and that should be, you know, easy. So we got to the specialist's office and before we left, I had on um, a full panel depends like, so it was like the underwear type thing. Uh, Cause they said when they remove the catheter, you will, you know, be a little drippy and wet. So you're best to have something like that on. So I had that on, uh, popped up on the bed. Well, shouldn't say popped up on the bed. I got up on the bed gingerly because I had the catheter in. My wife was in the room. So, I mean, uh, and again, if there's, uh, you know, any embarrassment between you and your spouse uh, about being naked in front of each other, that will dissipate rather quickly after surgery and, and things like that. Um you know, so the doctor said, uh, okay, so there's no easy way to do this. So I want you to take a big breath. And when I say, here it goes, I want you to just breathe out and then it'll be done. And that's it. So I said, ah, it's funny. That's the same thing that my aunt said from Australia. He goes, okay, breathe in. I went, and he goes, okay, it's coming out. And then I realized how they actually removed the catheter. They just pulled that sucker right out of you. And it felt like lava coming out of me. Uh, not that it was in any way sore it was just all kinds of hot weird sensations coming out of me and sure enough started dripping right away so when they remove um your prostate they uh they take away the sphincter that stops you from peeing so it pretty much flows all over the place so yeah be ready you should be doing your kegel exercises prior to uh, your prostate surgery. That's what was recommended to me. But again, I was doing, um, not the proper exercises, so it didn't do as much as I hoped it had, or it would do. Um, so that being said, again, I was home, uh, found I was dripping. Um, so that's when, uh, the doctor recommended that, uh, maybe I see a physiotherapist can, they can, uh, give me more specific, um, you know, exercises to do. So that's what I did. Um, and also I had, a, an, again, another blood test uh, three months down the road. Uh, my testosterone levels were a little bit low, which was okay because, you know, the surgery and everything like that. But there was still some uh, PSA levels there. They were, um, you know, it, it's okay to have PSA levels, but they were a little higher than the doctor wanted. So again, I got a uh, requisition for um, another blood test. And uh, I went, um, again, got called into the, the office, sat down. Um, you know, my wife was there and they always tell you to bring somebody there, even if it's good news, just to give them a high five, you know, a hug, a kiss or you know what? Yeah, we knew you'd beat this. Um, but it's also fantastic for someone to be there to take the information that you don't hear when you hear the white noise. Uh, in this case, I was pretty much prepared. I just knew in my heart of hearts that, uh, that it was not all gone. And sure enough, the uh, PSA levels had gone up from the previous test. Not a, not a great deal, but there was enough to say that, you know what, we didn't get everything. Um, we removed the prostate, we removed, uh, what they call the margin. Um, so how I describe the margin to, uh, pretty much everybody, it's like, if you've got a banana resting up against an apple and the banana starts to rot, the part where the banana is touching the apple, that skin is going to rot. So that's the margin. So it, it's escaped the banana, gone into a little bit of the apple. They had to remove some fatty tissue. 
Um, they didn't go as deep as the cancer had reached, so um, the uh, cancer was still there. So what they decided to do is they decided to uh, send me to another specialist, um, a radiation specialist, a radiologist, I guess. And uh, what we had done is we started a treatment of hormone therapy. And uh, I'll get into that in the next episode. Uh, The next episode is so aptly titled, uh, What Now When the Doctor Tells You You Have Cancer Again? So, uh, yeah. This is, uh, this is my life, the John White Project. But, uh, you know, through all of this, uh, I've come to appreciate a whole bunch of things. Um, the, the honesty of people, the openness of people, uh, the love and the charity of people. So I'd like to leave you with a few words of uh, wisdom. Be honest. Be true to yourself. Be a good human. Love one another. Peace. I'm out of here. See you next time on the John White Project.